Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today, I'm really excited, I'll be honest. Uh, We're going to be talking about a passion for planning and responsible investing. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Great, Eric. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I know that we were chatting before the podcast, and I, I shared that my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary this this weekend, and it was an amazing party, had a ton of fun. All the kids had way too much sugar. Yeah, so it was really good. Excellent. Yeah, and and today, it's it's it kind of segues right into that because we're talking about something incredibly important, which is personal values. And a lot of times it's not understood very well when it comes to investing and or responsible investing. And I just, I kind of look back on my parents' 50 years and the values they taught me and the values they're continuing to teach other people around them in their church and their, you know, in their community uh, by not being a perfect couple by any means, but living out the values that they believe are best for them and, and um, kind of mirroring that or, or modeling that for my entire family. So I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about today, too, is that you can model your own personal values in investing. And and I want to help clear up the topic for those that are listening. And I know that you have a lot to teach. And so I'm ready to dive in. Oh, good. Yeah. It, 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 one of the reasons why I love this this business that, that I've been in for almost 35 years is, is because I get to work with passionate and sincere individuals and families and business owners. And uh, frankly, they're so thoughtful about so many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're thoughtful about their family, their faith, their their business, maybe the environment, their community. They're they're often really passionate, and they have lots of interests. and 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 these interests are diverse. And yeah. I learn something every time I talk to, to to clients. I think it's I think it's the best part of of my job. And uh, what what we've noticed is that that many are are, are moved to take action mm-hmm. and others make charitable gifts. So I, I just love hearing what makes people tick, what's in their heart. You know, everyone's so different. Some, some people are fearful, some are optimistic. And I'd say the vast majority of people want to make a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, uh, we, we often talk to our clients about their values, but what, what, what they're all about. And, how these values can be translated into their financial plans and specifically their investment plans. And we, we, we call this approach responsible investing. Okay. So responsible investing, what would you define that as, or how would you define responsible investing for those listening? Yeah. So here I'm going to get a little bit technical. Uh, and it really, you know, when we're, we're investing, we're, we're trying to, uh, it, Purchase uh, companies that are growing, hopefully faster than inflation, and can provide a return and and a and performance to to the investors. Mm-hmm. So that's the goal. Um, so when we're evaluating we, these companies we want to invest in, we're not just looking through the lens of, of financial criteria. We're also going to look at 
uh, through the lens of non-financial criteria and for things like environmental, social, and governance issues. And for for this discussion today, we're going to talk about uh, environmental, social, and governance issues, and you're going to hear the acronym ESG Mm -hmm. a lot, Mm -hmm. environmental, social, and governance. And so the, the definition that's that's gaining traction amongst investors is, is really the following. Uh, responsible investment is an approach to investing that aims to incorporate environmental, social, and governance factors into investment decisions to better manage risk and generate sustainable long-term returns. Mm-hmm. So what's important to note is, is that emphasis when, it, when we take into account ESG factors into this dis- investment decision-making process, uh, we can better manage risk and generate sustainable long-term returns. And, and that's the theory. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I can't promise that responsible investing in, in this framework is going to always lead to successfully managing risk and generating those returns, but I think it's definitely worth considering for those clients who are passionate about these issues. Okay, so I mean that's that's great, right? And and we've we've spoken about this a little bit before, not in depth like we're going today. But my question is, what's an investor to do when it comes to responsible investing? How how are they supposed to approach it, and where do they start besides just calling you up? I mean that's a, that's that's what I want everybody to do. But besides just calling you up and asking you, what can they do? Yeah, that's. I think that's the key question: is where do you start? And mm-hmm. and not surprisingly, if you, if you've been listening to my previous podcast, uh, and I know you have, Eric, because you've been on every one. Yeah, I'm, I'm right here uh, with you. But for my listeners, uh, you know, for every every podcast, we really start with a, a comprehensive financial plan. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the 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 individual can map out their journey, their their short and long term goals, their objectives, their time horizon, their risk tolerance. And then we can choose the right kind of asset classes to include in their overall portfolio. Okay. So give us an overview of what asset classes mean uh, again, Peter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of our jargon, jargon. So when I say asset class, I mean, in general, what kind of security is appropriate for this investor? How much in general might we want to include in the portfolio? So mm-hmm. Just as an example, do we want to be 30% in U.S. large company stocks, 20% in international stocks, and 50% in investment-grade bonds? Or do we want a different asset mix based upon uh, the client's objectives? That makes sense. Yeah, so, so once we've decided on an asset class allocation and a mix of different kinds of securities, then I think it's appropriate to turn our attention to the actual implementation of this mix. Or in another said another way, are we going to be using ESG factors, environmental, social, and governance factors uh, to hire managers that in- incorporate this into the investment process? Okay. If you don't mind, Peter, can we take a step back just, just for a moment? I'm pretty sure I know what environmental is and social. But govern, governance uh, may not exactly be clear to most of the audience and, and not exactly clear to me, to be quite honest. Can you go through those and just kind of explain what those each are and, and kind of a brief definition of them? Absolutely. Let's, let's take one at a time. All right. 
So when we talk about environmental factors, we're, we're talking about uh, business factors such as energy management, uh, the environmental link impact of a company's products, their supply chain, and the cl company's climate change policy. Mm -hmm. So that's environmental. Uh, social uh, factors would look at a company's product safety and ethics, their supply chain human rights, their consumer data security, employee diversity, and employee health and safety, and, and many other factors. And then finally, the governance. That okay. considers the board structure and gender diversity, business, as, business ethics, accounting policies, and controls. So the governance is how the structure of the company is, is uh, how, it's, how it's structured and how they're governing themselves. Okay, that's much clearer. But I, but I have another question for you. We've talked about this before, and I've actually had this conversation with a, a few others uh, when it comes to investing responsibly. It's easy to, to know what to spend the money out of our wallet on, right? If I go into a, a local fast food place and I, I go up to the counter and I order something, and then I see the cooks in the back getting ready to prepare, prepare my food, and then there's, a and I'm using air quotes, a manager back there with a whip, right? beating them <laughs> to get them to move faster to cook. Number one, I'll call the police. But number two, I won't shop there again. I won't spend my money there again because they don't treat people right. That, that's easy to see. And, and a lot of the companies that we are in our face every day as we drive by, we kind of know, you know what, I, I want to shop there or I don't want to shop there. But how does an investor know what tools are there that will allow them to know what is good with all the ESG factors? It's it's really a difficult um, process, uh, and, but but I I will say that publicly held corporations they're required to provide lots and lots of financial and and now non financial information to auditors and regulators. They just have to do that. That's their that's their job. Good. Uh, and now across the globe, even investors are demanding more and more account uh, corporate accountability, especially around ESG issues and, and, and factors. And so what we're finding is that corporations across the, around the world are now reporting on these factors much more than they were in the past. Mm -hmm. For example, the, the, the percentage of companies in the S&P 500, which is a, 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 a proxy for 500 a large U.S. companies uh, that report on their sustainability efforts has grown from 20% in 2011 to 85% in 2017. So what we're seeing is just more data, more reporting. The data is out there now. And I think over time, the data will even get better and become more widespread. All right, so that's good news, right? I mean, we've got them being more transparent, uh, but individual investors, it's not like we're getting this information. It's not like we're... Uh, bringing all this information all together, especially for every company that we have in our portfolio, uh, investment managers do that, right? I mean, they, I'm assuming that they're the ones gathering this data. That's right. Okay, so what do they do with the information? Well, they can do a number of things. Uh, they, can, they can avoid certain companies or industries and or they can engage companies to help them improve their environmental, social, and governance risk. What does that mean? So first thing, let's chat about avoidance. Okay. An investor might not want to invest in a specific industry like, like guns 
or fossil fuels or alcohol, tobacco, gambling. And invest, investment managers can screen from a portfolio these specific companies or industries. And that's kind of the first step in, in this, this uh, management of, of, of responsible investing. Okay. The, the next thing they do is, is re, they can review each company's policies, their business practices, and their management determine, to determine if it's, a, if it's a company that beats their standards. And if it does, the, the investor might, might then engage with management to help them get better around these ESG factors. Okay. So, so how does that happen specifically about, uh, number one, you, you spoke about screening. Uh, how does the screening happen? And then how does the uh, investor engage the right way? Yeah. So screening is frankly, is pretty easy. You know, each industry is, uh, each company is attached to a certain industry. So if it's a company that primarily produces alcohol and, the, and uh, that's a company that, that the investor doesn't want to invest in for a variety of reasons, we can screen that from our, our mix of available companies. So it just won't be included. We're not going to include that company. That's where we can avoid uh, investment in, in specific industries and companies. All right, that's fantastic. So how does that engagement happen then? So remember that the publicly held companies meet with, with owners at least annually. Mm-hmm. They have big stockholder meetings. And the large shareholders have an opportunity to engage the company and start a conversation about specific areas of, of interest to them. Uh, they can they can steer a company's board in, in direction in a direction they believe might reduce this ESG risk or enhance their their environmental, social, and governance score. For example, they they might press for policies that could lessen companies carbon footprint or increased gender pay equality. A small individual investor really can't do that. Mm-hmm. They just don't have, a, they don't have enough shares to, to make a difference. But a large investment company that, that owns thousands and thousands of shares uh, can get an ear. And there are a number, number of mutual fund companies that focus on this engagement, and it's an important part of the value they provide. All right. I, I know that every investor out there, every listener out there is, is thinking, okay, this is very interesting. This is great. Uh, but will it perform as good as what I currently have? Is there, is there an issue with less performance or uh, more performance? Or I mean, that'd be great. But is there any issues with performance with the ESG factors? I, I think that's the ultimate question. The, the, the companies that are offering this responsible investing approach are pretty adamant that over, over a long period of time, investors aren't sacrificing performance. I think their argument is persuasive, but, but certainly they can't guarantee it. Mm-hmm. They, what their argument is, is that, that a well-run company that's thinking about all of these issues, environmental, social, and governance risks, they're more likely to be a long-term successful business. Basically, they they believe these these investment companies that are responsibly investing. They believe that that by doing the right thing, they can increase shareholder value. And ESG investing is growing and, and it's growing fast, according to the latest report by the Forum for Sustainable and Responsible Investment. At the beginning of 2018, one in four dollars under professional management 
considers environmental, social, and governance factors in investment selection. Mm. So that's a 38% increase over the, 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 the more recent report in 2016. So I, I, what I'm saying is many investors are confident that it's important and relevant. And for those clients that are passionate and, and sincere about these issues, they believe that, that it's really an important part of who they are. I think it's a it's a reasonable alternative to look at, and I'm not sure that they're going to have to sacrifice returns. It's it's interesting because as you were saying that, <clears throat> the song "Imagine" kept going through my mind. Hmm. Right? Imagine if if all the people <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and sing it to you, but imagine if all the people said, "You know what? I don't want to have my money invested in a company company that's running sweatshops. Right? I don't want to invest in a company that's just dumping waste into." fresh water and and they actually thought about these things what a huge change that would make that you know from 2016 to 2018 that's a significant increase you said i think 38 percent um i mean that's fantastic so that's 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 huge and i would assume i would i would hope at least like the song says we, we would hope that people would want to hear about this right and maybe on this podcast right now there's somebody listening that this is the first time they've heard that there are these options out there so being that there's probably got to be some interest, obviously there is because of the increase, how do you broach the subject with people? And I would say uh, not all of our clients come to us and, and express this as an interest or a concern. More and more are. And I'd say that, that there are lots of planners and advisors out there that would really rather avoid the discussion. I embrace it. I think mm -hmm. in the past, you know, I, might, I was skeptical skeptical that that we could implement a solution with as much skill and diversity as as, as necessary to build a, a, a diversified portfolio well managed uh, multi-class uh, that could provide good results but I think today that there are really good options for our clients and I think they should consider it okay so, Peter hang on just a second though L let me ask you this honestly and I'm not going to ask you to throw me a percentage but how many of the these people that you're meeting with just don't know that this is even an option. What do you, would, what do you think? I, I'm going to say uh, more than half. I, that's what I'm thinking. I, mean, I, I just, you know, I just think about the t different times that I've invested, especially when I was younger. I think, you know, I've talked about this before. I was sat at a conference table with a bunch of the other guys that I worked with and somebody was talking to us about 401k options and, you, you know, if you want to be aggressive, check this box. If you want to be, you know, moderate, check this box. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And I certainly didn't know what companies were in anything, and I never thought to ask. So I'm just, uh, yeah, I mean, more than half of the people just not knowing. I think that's a huge, huge thing. Um, but of the people that kind of know, do you have any inkling as far as are they more interested in, yeah, I'd really like to make a difference with my investments, or I'd really like to retire with a lot more money, and, and I'm scared of, you know, what the, the returns could possibly be. Where, where are you at with that? What do you think? Eric, I, I don't want to um, generalize it. And, you know, every, every, all of our clients are so different, and mm -hmm. I certainly don't want to uh, pass judgment on, on, on their approach. I've had clients that are concerned and want uh, the least expensive kind of investment management. I've had clients that uh, are, are, are more concerned about investing well, meaning they're responsibly investing, and they're, they say, if, if, I'm, if I'm getting less return, so be it. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. So there isn't a right or wrong. Everyone is is different. I think what it comes to, it's it's more the, the advisor's responsibility now, because these these options are available, 
to talk to our clients about what what is of interest to them and is and talk about these as a, as a as another option just like a specific investment allocation is a, is an option they should know that the ESG factoring in investment strategy is is an option for them yeah i, I think any any advisor that's worth a salt at all knows their client well enough to bring this topic up yeah i i will say that you know, while everyone isn't interesting, I'm, I'm hearing that the the our younger clients mm-hmm. uh, are coming to us and being very clear that these are issues that that they want to uh, that they want to address. They want their personal values to uh, to to steer them in a specific direction. So I, I'd say they're. The, the younger generation is really passionate about the world and, and they really want to make it a better place. That is fantastic. I love it. And I think that that is a really, really hopeful way to end the podcast. <laughs> I just, I, I, I love to hear that because you hear so many negative things. Oh, millennials, this and Z generation, or I don't even know what the next generation is, but Z group, this and that. I, I love to hear that the younger folks are coming in and actually wanting to do something change the world for a positive yeah no it's it's, it is great to hear all right anything else we need to cover today any closing thoughts for you no i think uh again uh, like like every podcast we we do we start off with the comprehensive financial plan that's where we we understand what what the client's objectives and goals are and that leads us into the implementation and, and the right strategy to help them meet their goals that's our goal. That's our goal when we're working with our clients and uh, socially responsible, environmental, social, and governance factors can be part of that solution. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Peter, this podcast is going out all over the nation, and I'm I'm willing to bet that there's a couple of people that are listening to you for the very first time. If they're interested in learning more about this, how do they reach out to you? Happy to talk to them. Uh, my direct telephone number is 617-728-7433. Uh, my website is raskinplanning.com. And uh, on the website, they can uh, subscribe to our podcast. They can uh, download our white paper and uh, uh, reach out to us. Great. Thank you so much, Peter, for your time. This is a wonderful topic, and I'm, I'm really hopeful for the future with what you're, what you're saying. Thanks, Eric. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 
Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors, securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC, investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor, insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.